This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. The standard by <coughs> Sholem Zacher's was always years that they made um, uh, for Sholem Zacher's. They gave arbus, called chickpeas in English, and beer. That's what the standard was. As time went, each one was adding in some sukkah, some candy, some parpitas, even some cake and drinks, and uh, that's the way it was going. A fresh younger man in Meisharim, making his first Shalom Zacher, not too familiar with Van Vu, he loaded up the tables and everything. And the early comers came there. After 15 minutes, he comes into the room where everybody's sitting over with Shalom Zacher, and he takes a look and he sees. Candies, parpitas, the nuts, this, that, everything is pretty much emptied out, and he doesn't have. So he went uh, a little bit mishiga. He ran downstairs to see if he could get something from his neighbors to fill up the thing. He didn't realize that it goes so fast. A friend coming to the Shalom Zacher goes over and he says, Chaimke, you look so worried. What is your problem? He says, what do you mean, what's my problem? I basically filled up the table with everything, with parpitas, with sukkah, with candies, with nuts, with everything else like it. And now we have to 15, 20 minutes. Everything is gone. He says, Chaim, okay, don't worry. Come upstairs with me. You'll have what you need. You don't need anything from the neighbors. He goes up and he says, Rabbi Isai, the Eder just put out a chruz that the Eder is broken. So if you came here and you're carrying something in your pockets, make sure that you empty it all out. And suddenly everybody empties out their pockets from the candies, the tzukalach, the nuts, the papitas. Everything went back on the table and it was... Galore. You know, the Shabbat came on early, and that's what you have left. But Lamaisa, beer, doesn't need Ashgacha, doesn't need Ashgacha. It was always so-called, they called it Minig America, that you drink all beers, you don't care about anything. But things, how they made it those years, who knows how they make it now, is completely different. And beer is one of those things, just like schnapps, they don't have to say the ingredients. All other things, there's regulations, you have to have the ingredients, you have to have this. By beer, you don't have to say anything. So now let's address the making of beer and its kosher considerations. Kashrut, chomet, chomet pesach, yoshan, etc. Beer is classified according to its alcohol content. The bitterness level is produced by the hops, and that is what makes the different beers. It's also flavors, etc. We'll soon get into it. The principal items, ingredients that goes into beer is water, a barley brew, hops. The alcohol that's generated from the fermentation of the sugar originated in the barley barley malt, that is your alcohol that you have that makes alcohol content of what it is. The extract of hops imparts to the beer its bitter taste. Hops from different areas may impart a different distinct taste. So they'll try to get hops from all different types of areas in order to make their beer this distinct taste. The first stage in brewing occurs in the brewery in the preparation of the barley. They take the barley that they need for the malt brew, which is grown either in uh, one type is grown in the USA, Canada, Europe, and Australia. Another type of barley, which is a completely different type of barley, is grown in the Far East and Europe. The barley, they start soaking the barley in 140 to 160 degree hot water. They change the water a few times 
And then eventually they take a look. They want to have that the barley moisture content should be approximately 45%. Once they took out all the liquid from there and it's already at 45% if they check it, it will, the barley uh, seeds or whatever they're called, will germinate in approximately four to six days and start sprouting. In the course of the germination, there appear in the grain enzymes that decompose is the starch of the grain. The starch makes it also a sweetness. The glucose and the malted grain are now ready for conversion into alcohol and carbon dioxide by the yeast that's naturally in the air and in the grain. Just like dough made from wheat that becomes chametz, uh, even though you didn't add in any yeast, because there's a natural yeast in the in the grain, and also there is some yeast um, uh, molecules, things that are floating around in the air. When the molding process is completed, the grain is dried in an oven. The high temperature drying temperature sets the color of the beer. The longer they have in there, the darker it is, it becomes a darker beer and converts part of that sugar into a dark substance. In addition, the roasting of the oven affects the grain taste to the beer. Sorry for that disturbance. In addition, the concentrated caramel imparts color to the beer and is produced separately. The sugars are converted into a dark coloring and are added to the standard mold. It's also called a Maillard reaction. The dry grain that's obtained after roasting has a rather long shelf life and can be stored for a year or more. Therefore, it's possible to have beer can, that can avoid chodesh problems it all depends on how late the current and previous spring was as far as planting times. The process of brewing beer itself starts actually with the milling of the malt in order to extract the starches and sugars that it contains. After milling, the, the flour is crushed, kneaded and cooked in water at different temperatures in the course of which more starch molecules are converted into sugars. Each company does it at the way they want to do it at the different temperatures, etc., etc. It all imparts different taste to the final um, beer that there is. Enzymes that are naturally present in the grain cause this decomposition just as this happens during molting. The cooking causes the sugar and starch parts to dissolve in water. The insoluble parts of the barley grains remains in the water. After the finished cooking, the liquid is filtered and it's called wort, W-O-R-T. Then they ferment beer with yeast. The amount of sugar that's used in fermenting beer is less than that used by making wine because they don't need a high uh, alcohol content. The yeast will therefore remain active even after the fermentation. The alcohol content will be between 3 and 4 percent and wine may go up to even up to 15 percent. The beer liquor that is boiled also sterilizes it from the bacteria and therefore it's possible to reuse the yeast and which is very often reused many times over. That's another reason why you have to have a good Ashgachana because they may use it for different types of beers. These yeasts have to be concentrated when reusing. It can be done by centrifuge or coagulators made of either gelatin, which can be kosher or non-kosher, or vegetable coagulators. The beer industry employs yeast cultures whose coagulating substance, substance is usually agar-agar, which is extracted from an algae, 
of kosher substance. However, it may also contain peptones, which are protein derivatives, which are usually extracted from animals. Part of the carbon dioxide gas that generated in the course of fermentation is captured in the closed vessel and dissolves in the beer. This will cause foaming, and therefore an anti-foam agent will be used. Generally, anti-foaming agent is made of uh, animal uh, derivative, but there is kosher anti-foam agents also, which is constantly used, used in potatoes, used in many other things that has a lot of foaming in it, in making uh, molasses, and making a lot of other things, uh, corn syrup, uh, maple syrup. There's also a need for additional foam stabilizers needed for the final product. The production of clear beer requires the addition of an enzyme. The enzyme may be derived from microorganisms that were grown on a culture bed containing non-kosher nutrients, which would make the enzyme non-kosher. The yeast within the culture gets its nutrients from the peptones developed within the vessels that contain the beer liquor. Then there's clarifiers, a problem frequently encountered in the marketing of beer is the appearance of a haze that's caused by chilling the beer. This problem is combated by the addition of papain from papaya plant to the beer chill proofing. There are therefore added enzymes to decompose the proteins and allow their redissolution. The method of extracting the enzyme from the papaya fruit is by using an amino acid cysteine which serves an as an antioxidant. Cysteine is extracted from animal, poultry feathers, and human hair. The problem taking it from poultry feathers, because usually the feathers are taken off by hot water, which makes the feathers that it has absorbed the non-kosher chicken or duck, etc., etc., so that's why anything extracted from those feathers are not kosher. Other clarifiers are gelatin, which may be animal-derived. Isinglass is another item used, is derived from the bladder of cod, which is a kosher fish, or sturgeon or catfish, which are not kosher. Other certifiers will allow use of gelatin for clarification if used in minute amounts and is removed from the product after clarification. You should call the kosher certifiers. They may even allow isinglass. These same gelatin and isinglass is used also in the clarification of um, apple juice. So you should really check with the kosher certifiers. Do they allow it in apple juice? Do they allow it in beer? So you'll know what it is and in which brands, etc., etc. It's going to be a little bit hard to find that in which brands based on Dajgacha because they aren't allowed to reveal exactly what the company is using. But at least you'll get a little bit of a handle of it. There's also a problem with flavors. These beer companies put in numerous different flavors of questionable cautious concerns, even they'll have in a number of them do have a beef broth or other things. Note, beer manufacturers do not have to list the ingredients, and flavors are not bottled. That's as far as flavors. Now, equipment may have been used for grape juice, clam juice, or other non-kosher sources. So in conclusion, flavored and unflavored beer leads a very reliable kashrus hashgacha. We may not accept the so-called minig America is to consume beer without hashgacha. The principal kinds of beer are as follows, which I'm not going to get into what the differences are when they're making it, just to give you an idea of what beers over here is lager, ale, porter, stout, malt, 
And Eretz Yisrael is what's called Bira Shachor, which is very, very common over there. It has different things of how it's made, but it's a very, very dark beer. And basically, it seems that all beers really should have a very good Ashtacha and uh, to make sure that it's completely reliable. Thank you and culture.